So we're going to go to Job, back to the book of Job, chapter number 4, if you would. The book of Job, in your Old Testament, and chapter number 4. If you'll go to Psalms and take a left, you'll find it right there. I want to thank everyone that prayed uh, for us as I uh, went and preached over at Sweet Springs Baptist Church. And uh, on Sunday night, Monday night, uh, preached to the church and to the camp, uh, campers, uh, youth camp they were having there. And uh, the, Lord, the Lord met with us, the Lord blessed. I'm very, very thankful for that, but I know it's because I had y'all at home praying. Uh, and so I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, God just did some good things. Uh, pastor contacted me today. He said he was talking to one of the campers today at lunch. And said, uh, this young, young fellow said, uh, he, he, well, he told me, he said, he said, this young guy said that your preaching was really solid. Is that good? <laughs> this new language you never can tell, you know. But I'm thankful. I said, well, I, that's pretty good that some young guy thinks this old guy is preaching solid, so I guess I'll take that as a compliment anyway. Job chapter 4, we're going to read a few, a few verses at the beginning of Job 4, and I'm going to ask you to leave your Bible open because we're going to look all the way through chapter number 5. Don't get nervous. Not going to preach every verse that's there, but uh, there's there's plenty here we need to look at, um, and hopefully it'll be a, it'll help to us. Um, Job's quite the book, isn't it? I would encourage you to read it as we're studying. There's there's going to be 42 chapters. There's going to be a lot more lessons through the book of Job on Wednesday night. And I, I would encourage you to read it, maybe read it again and read it again. Um, there's a lot here, and we're going to try to make some of it plain. Certainly, there's a lot of application here, and I believe we can make some tonight. Job chapter 4, verse 1. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, Job had been quiet. They'd have been quiet for a whole week. Just sat there while Job was mourning and mourning and grieving, and his three friends came, and they sat there now for a whole week, just just being a comfort just by being there in his presence. And then Job spoke up. And now Eliphaz is going to speak up. It says, Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If we essay to commune with thee, will that be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Eliphaz pretty much just says, I've got something I feel like I need to say. Verse 3, Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholdened him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now is it come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. Um, again, leave your Bible open there. We're going to go on here. I, I, I've titled this a couple of things. First, I titled it, With Friends Like That. Because we know how Job's friends are. And they, they, anyway, With Friends Like That. But then I, I subtitled it, and I think we'll understand better as we get on. I subtitled it this, Be careful, little mouth, what you say. 
So let's pray and we'll think about that. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, illuminate it by your spirit. And give us power to preach it. We pray, please, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. And please do be seated. As we got into the second chapter of Job, we might have felt as though Job was finally going to get some encouragement. He was going to get some help. I mean, his friends showed up. They've got thoughts of mourning with him. They've got thoughts of comforting him. And it definitely started out well because they refrained from saying anything at all until they hear what Job has to say. And Job poured his heart out, and it was very disheartening what Job had to say and how he felt there at the time. But, I mean, if you pretty much lost everything that you had in a short period of time, you might have some disheartening things to say. Also, Job pretty much said, hey, listen, it'd probably been better if I'd have never been born. But anyway, for a whole week, they sat there simply comforting Job just with their presence. So again, it started out well. And when Job finally does speak, beginning in chapter number three, he has plenty to say. And he was forceful in what he said, and, and, and the hopelessness that, uh, that was prominent in what was said shows us how, really how very badly that Job had been affected by the things that had happened in his life, losing, losing all of his livestock, and losing all of his children, and all of his wealth, and all of his health, and all the... And so in, in a very short amount of time, Job's life had been turned completely upside down, And it really took a toll on him, as it would any of us, I'm sure. Then as we get into chapter number 4, start into chapter number 4, there's a series of very long dialogues between Job and these three friends that have come to comfort him. And they really sound a lot more like debates. If you get to reading it and thinking about what what they're saying in all of this, it really sounds a lot more like they're debating uh, these three amigos, they individually give their opinion about why Job has gone through suffering, um, and they all come to the same end. They all come to the same conclusion. Job was going through these trials in his life because he had sin in his life. They come to these conclusions. Here's what they said, basically. Job, you're reaping what you've sown. Might as well fess up, bud. Because, I mean, you know, nobody goes through anything like this unless, you know, they've done something against God. And so Job shows some real patience, truly, and gives them the chance to voice their opinions. But then he takes his turn with a rebuttal, which we'll eventually get to. And he makes it very, very clear that whatever the reason may be behind these trials that have happened in his life, all these terrible things that have happened in his life, it's not because of any specific sin in his life. And this goes on through chapter number 31. Don't get nervous. We're not going to go through chapter number 31 tonight. And throughout this segment, these friends of Job say a lot of things that could be true. They say things. We're going to point out some things even tonight. They say things that could be true. However, they were not true about Job. These friends, they knew a lot about God and they knew about They seemed to know a lot about living life in a sinful world, but they didn't seem to know much about the devil. And I I don't fully understand that, but but not one one time do they even allude to the fact that it may have been Satan that caused this evil that had come upon Job. They never even allude to that. It's something because his friends had come to comfort him and possibly help him to understand why these things had happened in his life. (laughs) 
But the more that they talked, instead of bringing understanding, they just kind of muddied the waters. It wasn't really clarifying anything. And instead of comfort, well, they just added insult to injury, really. And the first one to speak up, we see here, was Eliphaz. And he may have been sincere in what he said, but much of what he said during that time was sincerely wrong. And he started out really good. No, I mean, he started out really, really good. He, he was definitely being cautious at first. Uh, verse number two, it says, this is Eliphaz speaking, if we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? So, can we share some things with you? Are you going to be grieved if we share some things with you, some thoughts that we have about what's going on in your life or what we think might be going on in your life? And then again, he says, but who can withhold himself from speaking? Come on, it's like Eliphaz says, I just got to say this. I've got this pretty much figured out, Job, and I've got some things that I need to say about, to you about these things. Then he says this, but behold, now he starts out good. Stay with me here. Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. He's talking about the good, the good things that Job has done. It, it, it's as if that he was not sure if what he was going to say would be received by Job, or, or, or if they would just make Job feel worse. But it appears that he felt it was time to speak up. And so he started out, it started out uh, uh, great for Job. Um, he, he says, you, you've strengthened some hands. Verse number four, thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble need. So apparently Job had been someone that was there to comfort and strengthen others when they were in need. I mean, he was a good friend. He'd come to people that were going through bad things, and he would try to help them. I mean, his friends were, were, were there to help him and encourage him because he'd gone out and helped and encouraged other people. And there's no doubt, <clears throat> excuse me, it, 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 it's a fact that the right word spoken at the right time and the right spirit can truly make a big difference in someone's life, can't they? I mean, when we mindfully speak, we say good things, it can make a difference. Words truly can help those that, uh, uh, that, are, that are weak and, and it can inspire those that are feeling hopeless if we say the right things in the right manner again in the right spirit. And again, Job was at one of, if not the very lowest point of his life. And, and it's really true that, that the fear of God, we, we, we saw in chapter number one that, that he feared God and eschewed evil. And, and it's really true that the fear of God that helped him to be steadfast in the past, and all that he had gone through was going to sustain him through this trial. And right here, I believe it's very, very important that we accept Eliphaz's words at face value. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible really gives us no reason whatsoever to think that he was not sincere in what he was about to say to Job. I mean, truly, he was simply sharing what everyone knew about Job, that Job was a very compassionate and God-fearing man. And even as he goes on and begins to say the things he's going to say, I don't think that, I don't think that they, he had some intention, I don't think he had some intention just to tear Job down. I think they had it, he already had it firmly stuck in his mind that, man, Job's done something wrong. 
And we can help him if we can just get him to confess this stuff. So he began to analyze Job's suffering. And uh, there in verse number 6 it says, Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Now look at this verse 7. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. Or, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils they are they consumed. So he starts out trying to reason with Job, and he does it by asking questions. And, and he said, come on, Job, whoever perished being innocent? I mean, it's like he's saying, come on, Job, does God ever punish those that have not done something wrong? I'm going to be honest with yourself, Job. I mean, it's like you don't really believe that God's punishing you if you haven't done something wrong. And he goes on to ask another question. Where, where were the righteous cut off? Where have we seen that, Job? I mean, really, does God just slam dunk people that are innocent, Job? Come on. Be honest with us here. Can you see what he's doing? Uh, and the answers that Eliphaz um, expected when he brought out these questions from Job were probably, well, no, God doesn't punish those that have done nothing wrong. And, 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 and no, nowhere are the righteous cut off if they're doing the right things. That's the answer he expected from Job. And so Eliphaz's conclusion was this. Job's suffering, Job was suffering because Job was guilty. If Job, if Job were as upright as everyone seemed to think that he was, God would have never allowed these terrible tragedies to happen to him. I mean, Job, if you, if you really have, you know, I mean, you, 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 you've, got a good, you, you've got a good testimony in all, Job, but I mean, why in the world would God let this happen if you hadn't been doing something bad in your life? Pretty much what he said. So here it comes. Eliphaz begins to admonish Job. Verse number eight, again, even as I've seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God, they perish. And by the breath of his nostrils, they're consumed. The roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perisheth for lack of prey. The stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. And so, so he was convinced of two things. Eliphaz was. He was convinced that Job was in the process of reaping what he had sown. Job, you're reaping what you've sown. This is your problem. And no doubt, that's a very true scriptural principle. You do reap what you sow. I mean, it cannot be argued. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's a principle of the word of God. A absolutely so. Proverbs 26, 27 says, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. Proverbs 28, 10, Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. So you reap what you sow. It's a principle of the word of God. Absolutely so. He was right in saying that. Here's the problem with, what, with, with that, though, in that given situation. There's more than one explanation. There's more than one explanation for the bad or the good things that happen to us in this life. 
There's more than one explanation. Eliphaz was just so convinced that Job's children had suffered because of Job's sin. That his children had suffered because of Job's sin. No, no, look at verse number 9 there. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, verse 10, the roaring of a lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. And, and, and so he was comparing Job to a ferocious adult lion. And when God decides to blast the prideful old lion, young and old alike are destroyed. Job, you're getting it for what you have done. And it brought, uh, it, it brought the fury of God down upon your children also. It's what he's telling him. I mean, blaming him for what happened. To his own children. With friends like that. One of the worst things about that opinion though. I think. Is that Eliphaz was saying that when God gets angry. He'll take out the innocent right along with the guilty. That's not my God. He's not that way. He was laying the blame for everything that had happened directly upon Job. And after feeling like he has made his point, he begins to give Job the advice that he feels like Job needs to make everything all right. I'm going to blast you real good, Job, and then I'm going to tell you how you can get your life all straightened out, okay? And so he begins to give him some very unmerited advice. Verse number 12. Now a thing was secretly brought to me. You got to get this. I know you Bible readers know about it, but now a thing was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a little thereof, and thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake, then a spirit passed before my face, the hair of my flesh stood up, it stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more, than just, uh, more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in the house of clay, whose foundation is the dust, who are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any, any regarding it. Doth not their excellency which is in them go away? They die even without wisdom. <clears throat> so he begins to build his case. Eliphaz does. He begins to build his case about his belief about Job's guilt. And so he's had this dream. He's had this vision. Eliphaz did. He had this vision. And this vision, oh get this, come on. His, this vision convinced him that Job was guilty. That's what he was saying, those verses we just read. He talks about an encounter that he had with this, this spirit. And, and he assumes that it was a messenger sent to him by God. In the words of the messenger, they expressed a couple of truths, which are true. Number one was that God knows we are all sinners. And so he's not surprised when we sin. Somebody say amen right there. 
He does know that we're all sinners, and, and it doesn't surprise God when we sin. And, and, and second, because God does know that we are sinners who, who will at times sin, then we need not fear confessing our sins to God. Those are pretty good points. Come on, truly. We get to the point where we feel like we don't need to be confessing our sin to God. We're in bad trouble. Because we are all sinners and we do all sin before God. And it is important that we confess that sin, uh, that he might cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he has seen this vision, Eliphaz did, and uh, just looking at life in general, believe that to be enough to confirm his belief of Job's guilt. So preacher, where do you get that? Chapter number 5. Look at this now. Chapter 5. Verse 1. Call now if there be any that will answer thee. And to which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety. And they are crushed in the gate, neither is there any to deliver them. Whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of the thorns, and the robber swalleth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward. <clears throat> so these, for, um, these verses can be summed up these things that, that Eliphaz just said, it can be summed up by the old saying, um, where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, he's looking at Job and he's saying, you're not fooling anybody, Job. Do you get it? We know there's got to be something wrong here because God would have never been doing this stuff to you if there wasn't something wrong in your life. Come on, where there's smoke, there's fire. You, you have all this trouble happen, Something, some, something caused this, Job. We're pretty much figuring that it's just the fact that there's somewhere along the way you have sin in your life. And in verses 1 through 6, he's pretty much saying there that sinners can seemingly get away with sin for a time, but judgment's going to come. And now he thinks that judgment is falling upon Job. Job, you're, you're taking it on the chin because you have been living in sin somewhere along the way. And then he goes on, since says pretty much, and since we're all born sinners, that all are born to have trouble, and Job's not an exception of that. Okay, Job, we know you have a good testimony. I mean, you fear God, you skew evil. I mean, you, you, you've helped others. Great things, you know, that you have done and all. But um, Job, you're not hiding anything from anybody. We got you figured out, bud. And you somewhere have sin in your life. Now let me stop here for just a second. Say this. We, 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 we've just got to be very, very careful about judging others by what we see or by what we've gone through in our life. Because it's really very easy to draw your own conclusions when we only use that which supports what we believe. And we have to be careful about that. 
Come on, we know the end of this, and we know Job, he wasn't in sin. He wasn't doing anything wrong. Come on, we, we studied it in the very first in the very first in the very first message out of this. Somebody that's living a life like that, doing all these things right, I mean, pretty much we just think they shouldn't have to go through this stuff. Come on, uh, we'll even fall into that trap, won't we? Come on, come on, come on, come on. I, you know, I'm going to church, I'm doing what's right, I'm trying real hard to live for God and doing all these things, and why is this happening in my life? Well, Job never did know exactly what happened in his life, but he continued just to stay faithful to God. They had no idea what was going on in Job's life, but... Uh, they tried to draw conclusions upon what they know or what they knew or what they had experienced. And I don't know what all Eliphaz had gone through. I mean, we can't study his life out of what's right there. But it may be that Eliphaz hasn't been so uh, righteous. May have been. I'm just saying. It may have been that he had gotten into some stuff and God had chastened him. And so he's saying, man, if it happened to me, this must be why it's happening to you. But we have to be very careful about judging other people about those things, about those conclusions. Eliphaz already had his mind made up, so he chose experiences to back up his ideas about what was going on in Job's life. And again, I don't know what experiences exactly he had gone through, but very apparently he had gone through something that made him believe, hey, listen, you get away from God, some things are going to happen to you. And so he's laying it on Job. We have to be careful. He tells Job this. Job, what you need to do is you need to just humble yourself before God. Confess all that sin. Get these things, get these things poured out. Get these things confessed to God. And then just leave the results of the circumstances in God's hands. Whatever God chooses to do. Verse number 8. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to read all this. But verse number 8 says, I would seek unto God. Here's, he's, he's giving him advice here. I would seek unto God. And unto God whom... Uh, and, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable and marvelous things without number, who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the field to set up the high, uh, to set up on high those that be low and those which mourn may be exalted to say safety. So he's 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 saying all these great things about God. Can't you just hear the? Can't you just hear to an extent? Come on, can't you just hear the piousness in his speech? What he's saying is true. I mean, he tells Job that God's powerful enough to help him to recover from all that he has suffered. And that's true, isn't it? Somebody say amen. No matter what we might go through, God's going to be there for us. And God can help us through all the things that we might go through in our life. He can strengthen us. He can help us. He can guide us. I, I know that. I know that all along. But he goes ahead and he tells Job that it's pointless to try to outsmart God. Verse number 12 there. He disappointed the devices of the crafty. Come on, he's pointing fingers at Job again. Can you see it? He disappointed the devices of a crafty Job and, and so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise and their own craftiness and the counsel of the uh, forward is carried headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime, grope in the noonday as in the night, but he saveth the poor from the sword from their mouth and from the hand of the mighty. So, so the poor hath hope and iniquity stoppeth her mouth. So Job, I don't know why you're trying to just deny that you're in sin. 
You can't outsmart God. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. Oh, no, no. I mean, this great friend of Job, he is pretty much just breaking him across the coals. And he really has no idea what has gone on. And then he goes, out, goes on to remind Job that God's chastening is always for our good. And it is. God's chastening is always for our good because God's a wonderful heavenly father. Somebody say amen there. His chastening is always for our good, and His chastening is not always with a baseball bat. Most of the time, God's chastening is with a very tender hand. I'll say it again. God's chastening is with a very tender hand that just tries to get us to keep from going left, tries to get us going... No, no, I mean, He's just trying to keep us on our path. That's our wonderful God. But he reminds Job that that God's chastening is always for our good. Verse 17, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not the chastening, thou the chastening of the Almighty. That's a real good verse. That'd be a real, real good verse for our young people to memorize. Well, at least I got one amen out of that. Goes on, For he maketh sore and bindeth up he woundeth, and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yea, and Sarah, and there shall no evil touch thee. Man, he goes on. In, in famine he shall redeem thee from death. In war from the power of the sword thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. And he goes on and on and on about this. And here's what he says, basically. Here's what he says in a nutshell. This is going to work out good for you, Job. It's going to... Job, this is going to work out good for you if you will just repent of whatever awful sin you have in your life. It's going to be okay, Job. What a great friend. What a wonderful friend. So Eliphaz started out really pretty good, but the end of the conversation was disaster. His thoughts about it all were just completely wrong concerning Job's um, situation. And, 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 and he misapplied God's truth. He brought out some truth, but he misapplied God's truth. He concluded it. He concluded what he thought without knowing all the facts. And not only that, but he defended his conclusion. Really, he really he he defended his conclusion with rhetoric that must have been very hurtful to Job. He just kept on talking and kept on talking and kept on talking and kept on talking. And sometimes it's just good to know when to shut up. Sometimes it's good just to hush it. But he didn't. He just kept on and kept on. Kept on. So let's learn a few lessons from Eliphaz. Three things. You want to write these down somewhat? Remember them? That's fine. Let's learn, learn a few lessons very quickly here. Number one, I would say this. Be careful. Be very careful not to jump to conclusions about the circumstances in someone's life. Be very careful about that. You don't know why anybody's going through anything. Be, be ready and willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, it's, it's different when things are apparent. I understand that. But I mean, for the most part, many times we don't know why anybody's going through whatever they're going through in their life. We don't, we don't know. We really don't know. 
you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to practice just showing kindness to people and support. To try to uplift somebody instead of trying to thump them down, on down. I mean, be very careful about jumping to conclusions about what someone's going through in their life and why they're going through something in their life. Number two, be very careful not to misapply God's Word. That's why, that's why it's really good that we study the Word of God and we, we uh, study the Word of God in its context and we know what verses mean what instead of just jerking something out of its context and want to apply it because it sounds good to us for a certain situation. Come on, all these words are true. They, they are true. But all of them are in context. People say, well, it's just your interpretation of the Bible. No, no, there's only one interpretation of the Bible. Only one interpretation. Many applications, but there's only one interpretation of the Bible. And that's God's interpretation of the Bible. And we can take the Word of God and we can comfort. And, and if needed, it can be used to reprove, can't it? And rebuke, can't it? Come on, and to admonish. It can be used for all those things, absolutely so. And there's proper times for those things. But be very careful don't to uh, be very careful not to misapply God's word. It can be very dangerous to only have part of the truth. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, "He that answers answereth a matter before he heareth it is a folly and a shame unto him." We better be very careful about how we use God's word. But number three, be mindful about offering counsel only based upon what you have gone through or what others have gone through. Be very careful. Now, I know that there are things that we go through in our life and God helps us and teaches us according to His plan and His Word, and we can sit down with people and say, let me show you what God has done in my life in the past, and let me, let me tell you how God worked in our life, and understand that's right. But we have to be mindful uh, about, about counseling only based upon what we have gone through or what other people have gone through. Um, here's the reason. Personal illustrations only have real value to them when they're rightly applied to any given situation. And what you went through may not be the same thing as what someone else went through. So we need to be prayerful. We need to be mindful. We need to be careful. We, we just don't always know why, why we or, or why others go through what they go through. We, we just don't know. We don't know why they go through what they do. And I'm telling you, the very best counsel that we can give in situations is the counsel of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Truly. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. Here's the, best, here's the best advice we can give people. Trust the Lord. Keep looking to Him. Don't get to thinking, no, 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 good advice. Don't get to thinking you got it all figured out. 
Because sometimes even in our trouble, when we are trying to get out of that whatever situation, whatever we might be going through, sometimes we can get the feeling like we have it all figured out when we don't yet have it all figured out. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Go to God. Go to God with your children. Learn from His Word. Direct them by His Word. Direct them by His Word. Go to God with your own personal problems and let God sort that out for you because I guarantee you all the answers are right here in this book. And if we handle any given situation in our life the way that God would have us to handle in our life, we're going to do well. Trust the Lord. Well, preacher, what if I just don't know what to do? Then you just keep on doing what you know is right to do. Come on, don't do anything outside of that. Just keep doing what you know is right to do. Just keep doing the right thing. I mean, pray and read your Bible and come to church and listen to God and tell people about Jesus and give and all these things that you know is right to do. Sometimes we don't know what to do. And the best thing that we can do when we don't know what to do is just keep on doing what we do know what to do. Just keep on doing it. Keep on trusting God. Keep doing right. 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 And keep doing right. Please listen, I'm, I'm right at done. Keep doing right even if it leads you through a valley. Well, I don't know why I'm going through this. I was doing right. Well, God knows why you're going through it. Come on, Job didn't know why he was going through it. He just kept doing right. Even when we go through a valley, the best thing we can do is just keep doing right. Come on, I know a lot of people that are not in church tonight that should be in church tonight. They're not in church anywhere anymore because they went through a valley and instead of just keeping doing what God would have them to do, they threw in a towel. There's people that are completely out of church, completely out of the will of God because they went through a valley and instead of just continuing to do what they knew that God would have them to do, they just quit doing anything that God would have them to do. And I can guarantee it didn't help them any. Just keep doing right. Take confidence in knowing that God is directing your steps. God is directing your steps. If you're doing the right thing, Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. But, if we're put in a situation where we're going to try to encourage somebody else that's going through something hard in their life, <laughs> encourage somebody else, we don't want to be a friend like Job's friend. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. If you're not sure about what you're saying, just don't say anything at all. We can be used to encourage people, to uplift people and all those things, but just make sure that the words coming out of your mouth are exactly that. Because there's a lot of people that have been washed out by a well-meaning friend. 
that thought they had it all figured out. Be careful about being that kind of friend. Love them like Jesus loves them. That's good advice. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. And so many times when I deserve to be chastened, He just loves me. We can learn a lot from this, if we will. We just need to be very discerning about what we do and trying to help other people. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. I mean, even when we're going through the deepest of valleys, the darkest of times, we, we can trust you, and all you want us to do is just continue to do what we know that you would have us to do. For others that go through trials in their life, we pray, Lord, for wisdom and discernment and guidance that we might help others. Lord, without being a friend like Job's friends, Lord, that, that, we would, that we would be very careful that we're given um, sound biblical advice that we might help somebody to stay on track. I, I don't know how anybody may have been spoken to you tonight, uh, spoken, spoken to from you tonight, Lord. I just pray your will would be done in each life, whatever the need might be. I, I pray as we open up the altars that folks would just listen and respond in a way that's going to honor and glorify you. Thank you for your goodness to us. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet for a minute.